Stand together. We welcome you to Christian Life Center on this Valentine's Sunday morning. Would you bow your heads as we prepare our hearts to experience the love of God in this place? Father, we thank you for the opportunity together in the powerful name of your Son, Christ Jesus. We thank you that you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son that we might have the blessed hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus. God, we pray this morning you would give us the ability through the presence of the Holy Spirit to express the freedom of our spirit that has been touched by your divine love. God, we've come to worship you. We've come to praise you. We've come to tell you how much that we love you. So inhabit the praises of your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, be exalted. Lord. 
praise you, our high and exalted. Yes, we praise you this morning, God. You are worthy, worthy of all praise. High and mighty, high and exalted. Give the Lord a hand of praise one more time. Hallelujah. We are so grateful for his love this morning. You may be seated as we continue to worship him.
That's who he is, church. He is high and lifted up. He's exalted above all other gods. There's no other God like him. And when you grasp a hold of the truth of his love, of his grace, of his amazing mercy, of what he means to us, I don't know about you, but I can't help but shout his praises. I can't help but tell him how much I love him. He's awesome in all his ways. He's a good God. And he's been given a name above all other names, highly exalted. But in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is, that he is Lord, Lord, Lord. Go ahead and give the Lord one more praise for he is worthy of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's wonderful, truly wonderful. Thank you, orchestra. Someday the offerings are going to be as good as the offertories. <laughs> and we'll be able to <clears throat> support every missionary in the world. But uh, I bring you greetings this morning from three special missionaries that have been a part of this congregation for a long, long time. Pastor Gloria Young... I still call her pastor, and, and pastors Tom and Candy Manning of uh, Vienna Christian Life Center. Ophie and I had privilege <clears throat> the last two Sundays to minister to that great congregation, their leadership, and others. I lost track after message number 15 how many times I, I preached, but it is one of the most unique churches in all the world. They start on Saturday afternoon having services, and they go late to Sunday night. It's made up of so many different ethnic groups and language groups. There's not another church in the world like that, and they're making it work. And I bring my greetings, bring greetings from uh, Pastor Gloria, Tom, and Candy. And it's so great to be back where it's warm. The average temperature while we were there was one degree and sometimes minus. So uh, today is a hot day for Ophelia and I. But uh, Vienna Christian Center is uh, unique and has unique challenges. Continue to pray for them. It is the largest Protestant church in the city of Vienna. And God is doing great and magnificent things. And I thank you on <clears throat> your behalf of uh, Gloria and the Mannings for your faithful support. Because they could not do what they do without your support. I want you to turn to what is so often called the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to speak today about strengthening marriages. During the marriage ceremony, it said that two become one. And then on the honeymoon, they decide which one. Someone said, I didn't know what happiness was until I got married. Then it was too late. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's the attitude of the majority of people who get married. Statistics show us that in our American culture, 
a culture who says, in God we trust, founded upon biblical principles, 50% of all marriages will fail. And the sad thing about that statistic is there is no difference between non-Christian marriages and Christian marriages in the last decade. We have forgotten what that agape love that's described here in 1 Corinthians is all about. That love that will preserve a, a marriage and keep it from slowly decaying, disintegrating, but keeping it alive and fresh and exciting. People go into marriage just uh, with no commitment, no long view determination. A minister tells the story of recently he found himself on an airplane. He was sitting next to a, a gentleman. He asked him where he was going. He says, I'm going to my daughter's wedding. The minister said, well, congratulations. He said, you know, I, I don't know if it's congratulations or not. She's, she's a bright girl. She's been married three times. She has a fabulous career. She's only 24 years old, and now she's starting her third marriage. And, and, and her father ended the conversation by saying, maybe, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't this time. But in that word maybe, that's where the problem is. In that word that maybe, instead of we will make it work. I, I hear all the time, and so do the others who, who do marriage counseling on our staff. You know, maybe I made a mistake, so I need to correct it. Or, or maybe I married the wrong person. You know, the Bible doesn't say if you married the wrong person, then get a divorce. No. The wedding vows say, till death do us part. That word, maybe. Uh, if you go into a relationship, well, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. If that's the attitude, it doesn't. See, marriage is not just repeating marriage vows. But <clears throat> marriage is working those vows out every day of your life. In fact, those who have been married very long know that it becomes work at times for two different personalities and people to become one. A dear friend of mine and, and Pastor Andrema Webbs is uh, Doc Dobbins. He... It has been a part of the Assemblies of God uh, as long as I can remember. He has emerged ministries in Akron, Ohio, a, a place that counsels ministers of several denominations whose marriages seem to begin to disintegrate. And he's been a blessing to so many. Uh, our counseling department here uses his video teachings but Doc Dobbins says Christian marriage love 
is a consistent and persistent effort on the part of two people to create for each other the circumstances in which each can become the person God intended them to be, a better person than he or she would be alone. But there is more than just an infatuation, an affection, a love that needs to fit into a marriage. And, and the kind of love that holds a marriage together is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you have memorized that portion of scripture. Perhaps it wasn't even read by the minister who performed your wedding. But it describes what a godly, holy, enduring love is. A love that never fails. And beginning in verse number 4, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Love is, is not proud. This agape love, this God love that's being described here by Paul goes on in verse 5. It says, this divine love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The kind of love that God expects us to have is that agape God love that never fails, never gives up. But you and I know that 50% of weddings, those even performed in evangelical church, they will give up. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved you. And I doubt if any of us in this room are perfect, but yet there's never been a time that God did not love us and was patient and long-suffering with us. God so loved that he gave And that's the kind of love that holds a marriage together that will give and give and give to preserve that marriage, that holy matrimony, those vows that were made in the sight of God and witnesses. And that only happens if God is first in the marriage. If we do what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seeking first the kingdom of God, Going into a marriage seeking to establish your own kingdom is headed for a dead-end destructive street. But if two people will go seeking God's will and kingdom to be fulfilled, they'll live happily ever after. See, marriage takes faith. Things hoped for. Faith in a love, an agape love is the Greek word used here, that never gives up. For better or for worse, for richer or poorer, for sickness or in hell, till death do us part. One of the things that causes most marriages to begin to fail and disintegrate 
is the lack of communication. The same thing that causes our relationship with God to disintegrate. When we don't communicate with him, when we don't talk to him, and when we don't listen to him, we call it prayer. We need to set aside times to, to talk to God, but you need time to talk to one another. I realize life is busy. I realize the children are going their directions. Life works here. The husband works here. But there has to be those times to share. There has to be those times to talk. There even has to be those times to argue. Because it's during those times that you, you grow. And, and let me just say this in passing. Probably everyone that's been married here, if you've been married over a few hours, have probably had a disagreement. And I don't make a lot of promises from this pulpit, but I promise you, you'll probably have another one. (laughs) But the thing is, don't have those disagreements in front of your children. Because, see, God gives you the grace to handle those differences as you work through them. But sometimes they can put some marks upon the hearts and the lives of those children. Set those times aside to be alone, to where you can communicate with one another and pray together and communicate with God. It will take the care of of the pressures and the tensions and the assumptions and the stress and the doubts and the fear. If you'll just get together and you'll be open. And, And it's not just always talking. Communication, remember, is talking and listening. Anyone who's done marriage counseling, it doesn't take long to find out which one does the talking and which one has to always do the listening. (laughs) But it needs to be both ways. Even in our relationship with God, we talk to him, but hopefully there are times when you are quiet and you listen to him. All miscommunications result from usually differing assumptions. The, The receiver goes bad. And the way that some people deal with, with problems in communication is just that stubborn silence. And the husband says, what's wrong? And the wife says, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. It helps when you get married, men, if you're a mind reader. But it really helps when you communicate. When something's wrong, that you're able to talk about it. That's what God wants us to do, and he's the the bridegroom, we're the bride. Talking means listening. It means caring. And one of the things that will hold your marriage together, and, and, and I find in marriage counseling that if, if couples have trouble talking with one another, they have an even a harder time talking to God together. But I would tell you that if you will talk, if you and your spouse will pray together with God, it will help your communication with one another. One of the things that helps build a strong marriage is to learn to defer gratification. 
And it seems that's something that all youth have, have a problem and a challenge with. Uh, and so if, if, if people get married, perhaps prematurely, before they have really grown up, they're having trouble with uh, deferring gratification. They aren't real patient. They're many times very self-centered. And uh, all of a sudden they have two incomes instead of one. And boy, now we got money to spend. And they don't save for tomorrow because they want the gratification today. And many of you who are parents and have married children, you know that those married children you have, they had things you never dreamed of in the first couple years of their marriage. And one of the differences was they didn't use real money. They had this plastic card that you just go get what you want and you lay it on the counter and they give it to you. It's just amazing how that works. And it's amazing how many marriages have been destroyed and the tensions become irresistible because of not deferring gratification. I want it now so that credit card makes it possible. One of the things that childhood fairy tales sort of give us a misconception. And just so that you know, the stories, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, these are not divinely inspired stories, okay? (laughs) They are not the Word of God. And you don't always live happily ever after. See, marriage will never make an unhappy person happy. A husband will never be able to make an unhappy wife happy. So guys, don't turn ball trying to do it. But likewise, a wife can never make an unhappy husband happy. See, true happiness comes from within. True happiness comes when a person is right with themselves and right with God. And if you're unhappy before you get married, you will be unhappy after you get married, and you will make the person you marry unhappy. Because marriage never makes anyone happy. It says they live happily ever after. If that happens, it's because they were happy when they got married. They were looking at their relationship with God and who they are to to make them happy, not someone else. True happiness comes from within. Having a peace with yourself and a peace with God. See, marriage is what you and another person make it. And I stress the word make it because success in marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. Successful marriages do not just, uh, just say the wedding vows, but they work out those wedding vows. And for some people, working out those wedding vows is trying to change your partner. 
And if you got married with the idea, I can change that guy, you found out you couldn't, could you? See, there's only one person that can change any of us, and that is God. He can change the desires of our heart. He can change the responses of our hearts. True love learns to compromise, to give in. I feel sorry when I counsel people and they're married to somebody who is always right. There is nothing worse than to be married to someone who's perfect because it just will make your life miserable. So, you single ladies who are looking for the perfect man, please settle for someone who is imperfect because it will be hell on earth if you try to live with someone who is perfect. Only God is perfect. Because there's always two sides to everything. If you don't know what compromise is, when you get married, you will learn very quickly. You know, he will stop drinking if she stops eating so much and loses weight. He... will stop squeezing the toothpaste in the middle if she will empty the trash. You know, it's all about compromise. That's the lubricant of the machinery of this institution God calls marriage. It's respecting each other's rights, their choices, allowing them to fail, allowing them to make mistakes because love, it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, never, never gives up. Don't ever be so stubborn you will not say, I'm sorry. Don't be so holy that you can't say, I made a mistake. Or please forgive me. One of the things that is the glue that holds relationships together, and I say this to those of you who are dating someone, practice the art of appreciation. Everyone cherishes words of praise. You know, you even get more out of your dog when you praise them. You'll get a lot more out of your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your spouse. If you'll just learn to appreciate. And there's all kinds of ways to do that. Some of you need to get a little creative on this Valentine's Day. You know, some of you woke up this morning, your spouse said it's Valentine's Day, and you thought, so... You know I love you. (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Every day should be Valentine's Day. Write notes. Send flowers. Write a card. In the middle of the day, make a phone call. 
Some of you, if you got a phone call from your spouse in the middle of the day because they just decided they wanted to say I love you, and the phone rang it on their, your cell phone, you saw their number, first thing you think, oh, my goodness, he's had an accident. Something happened bad. <laughs> Surprise them. Let them know you don't have to be in the hospital, in the emergency room, just to call them in the middle of the day to say I love you. Too many times, it seems that once a couple says at the wedding altar, I do, then they don't. (laughs) They don't show those courtesies and those politeness and all those gestures they did when they were dating. You know, ladies, do you get as many notes, uh, do you get as many flowers as you did when you were dating? See, love is something that must be expressed. God so loved us, he expressed it by giving his only begotten son. And true love says it's better to give than receive. A love that provides a refuge, a shelter, support, protection. A listening ear. Let me warn you. If you don't listen to your spouse, they will find someone who will listen to them. You ask any of our counselors here at Christian Life Center, one of the things that begins to to disintegrate in a marriage when communication breaks down and someone else has an ear when the spouse will not listen. Give a listening ear. Give understanding to each other. Allow for mistakes. There's no one in this room, and I haven't performed everybody's weddings, but I know human nature. There's no one perfect in this room. And then when you put two imperfect people together, you're not going to have a perfect marriage without the grace of God. That's why we call it amazing grace. Be be a friend. It seems like some people get married and and the war begins. (laughs) Or they get married and now we're married. You be the breadwinner. You're the father. You're the husband. But the breadwinner, the father, the husband needs to be that wife's best friend. She's not just the homemaker, the wash lady, the cook, the maid. She's part of who you are. Let her be your best friend, sir. It seems that in the busyness of our American society and the urbanization of it, that people have fewer friends than they used to have. Therefore, your best friend needs to be the person that you're spending your life with till death do us part. Now, that person should not be your only friend. Don't put that burden on them to be your only friend, but they should be your best friend. 
Marriage is, is not supposed to be bondage. Some, some of the singles in this room this morning, you know, they, they, they would like to get married, but they really don't want to wear a ball and chain the rest of their life. They don't want to be handcuffed. But, see, marriage is not bondage. It's a place to where you can become what God created you to be. Marriage should bring out the best in you, not the worst. Don't try to to put your mate in some mold that you've been dreaming about for years. This is the kind of person I want to marry. And you couldn't find that perfect person, so you settled for Joe. And now you're trying to make him something he isn't, friends. Only God can transform our lives. Be the best friend you can be. Accept. Accept your marriage partner according to the vows you recited, for better or for worse. It's amazing when couples stand on this platform all goo-goo-eyed, dressed in, <clears throat> in wedding attire, and men have no trouble saying for, <clears throat> for better or for worse. Because at that point in life, they don't know what worse is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, some of you have been married a while. <laughs> That's when the test comes. Marriage is not saying the vows. Marriage is living out those vows. Constantly confirm your vows by confirming one another. Criticism divides, but compliments encourage confidence in one another. Whatever you do, Don't belittle your spouse in front of your children, in front of people in the church, in front of other family members. If if you're in the lobby talking to a couple and, and that man or woman turns and belittles their spouse in front of you, you need to pray. Because that relationship is in big trouble. God brings us together to build one another up, not to tear one another down. Marriage should bring out the best in each of us, not the worst. We are to cherish that union. Many of your wedding ceremonies, the minister who performed it said, What God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Don't let anyone come between you, including your children. Many times, wives have a tendency to put their children before their marriage partner. But your friends... Your children, your job, material things should never come between you. Cherish that union. You become one till death do us part. 
out. And that must be a number one priority. Your number one priority is not making a living. It's not uh, your involvement in church. It's not raising your children. It's providing an environment that God can bless and your children can grow to be the people God has called and ordained them to begin. Overcommitment so often is the number one killer in marriages. Too busy, too tired, too worn out, too uptight, no time. Because a good marriage requires work. That's why doctors, ministers, policemen, owners of business are high risk. Because they're always overscheduling. They feel like they're overcommitted. You know, I work for God, so, you know, I have to go 24-hour, and burnout comes, and marriages fall apart. Financial pressures say work, 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 work. And they gain perhaps a steady income, but lose their marriage, lose their children. There's too many people who have the idea that other people need them worse than their family or their spouse. This is why we see such a high rate of divorce among doctors. Because, man, I just have to be there at the hospital. You know, they're going to die. I think I read somewhere where it's appointed unto man wants to die. And when that appointment comes, no doctor is going to stop it. You know, the minister thinks, i got to be there. If I'm not there at the church 24-7, all the church members are going to backslide. Boy, that doesn't speak very well of you, does it? (laughs) Or the businessman who says, boy, you know, we're in a difficult time right now. If I'm not there all the time, my business will fail. After all, this is what's putting food on the table and clothes on on the back and keeping the kids in a Christian school. And really, in the heart of hearts of that man who says all that, what's really motivating him is his, his own masculine need to succeed, to compete with other people, push, drive, strive, accomplish, win, win, win. They are convinced that they're over commitment will just be temporary. Someday we'll enjoy it all. And I've done too many funerals, even here at this church, of people who never found time to enjoy their marriage relationship and life. It's always something. Got to get that new house. Got to get that new car. But someday it will slow down. Friends, it's never going to slow down unless you make it slow down. Don't neglect your commitment to your family by being overcommitted to anything else, including the church. God is number one. Your family and marriage is number two. And your work is number three. Why should we work ourselves into an early grave, missing those precious moments with loved ones who crave our affection and our attention? It's a question every man, every woman here must ask. 
Because in most of the families of our church, both the husband and the wife are working. But the good news is, if you live your life according to this book, your marriage will be one that you can live happily ever after. You can have a good marriage, a strong marriage, a rewarding relationship, a happy union. But marriage is more than just standing in front of a minister or a justice of the peace and, and, and saying some wedding vows. Marriage is working those vows out. And in the closing moments of this service this morning, we have allowed time for couples to renew their wedding vows. And so I want you to stand with me. And we're going to give you that opportunity. And all those married couples, I stress married. No one's going to get married free here this morning. <laughs> so, if, But if you want to renew your wedding vows with your spouse, I, I want you just to come right now as someone goes to the piano or organ and just come and stand and you need to move in close here move in as close as you can Pastor Ron and and Drema are going to come and uh, sing a love song to each other. So get in the mood here. I'm going to let you be seated in just a minute, but I'm waiting for everyone to get out of the pews. Okay, you can be seated as the rest come. Move in as close as you can here at the altar.
is a message of a love set free. I see the more you have given yourself to God, the more you have left for me. I see the more you have given yourself to God, the more you have left Sound like two newlyweds. <laughs> so I look over this tremendous group of husbands and wives. I see some that have only been married about six months. Then I see others who have been married over 60 years. And today you're presenting yourselves before this congregation to declare your continuing love the renewal of your vows of love and devotion to one another on this Valentine's weekend. So as pastor, I charge you, first of all, to remember the promises made to each other the first time you stood at the marriage altar. God remembers those vows and pledges, and he holds you responsible for performing them every day. I admonish you to keep in mind that each of you is the object of Christ's redemption and should be a value <clears throat> neither should be neglected or belittled by the other. Continue to esteem each other and love one another as a child of God. I encourage you as you stand here to renew your vows, to continue to share willingly and sympathetically of your joys and your worries, your successes and your struggles, to be neither conceited by the former or depressed by the latter. Recommit yourselves to recognize the Lord Jesus Christ as the head of your home, the ruler of your destiny, and the God of your marriage. He will confirm your marriage by his guidance, and he will overshadow it with his abiding peace. Before you lies an ongoing future with hopes and, yes, disappointments, successes and failures, its pleasures and pain, its joys and sorrows. These elements are mingled in everyday life and are to be expected. But for you this morning as Christian couples, they are not there to be received with resignation, but with hope and joy and all the spiritual gifts that God promises us. So now in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who has led you through many, many experiences in this journey called matrimony, will you give yourselves your heart and your hands once again? If you have not already done so, I ask you to just join hands with your marriage mate. And I'm going to talk to the gentleman first. Husbands, for some of you, years ago, you pledged your loyalty to the woman whose hand you hold to live together after God's ordinance in the holy state of matrimony. You promised to love her, comfort her, honor her, keep her in sickness and in health. 
You further promised that forsaking all others, you would keep yourself only unto her as long as you both shall live. So now again at this Valentine's Day, will you renew these vows and promises, pledging yourself to continue your devotion to her as long as you both shall live? If you do, will you say, I will? Come on, guys. If you do, will you say, I will? Just for the record, we have this on video. (laughs) Wives, years ago, you pledged your loyalty to the husband whose hand you now hold to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony. You promise to obey him, serve him, love him, honor him, keep him in sickness and in health. You further promise, forsaking all others, you would keep yourself only unto him so long as you both shall live. So now with this Valentine's service, will you renew these vows, pledging yourself to continue your devotion to him as long as you both shall live? If you do, will you say, I will? I will. Ah, Now there's love. (laughs) For as much as these husbands and these wives have consented together in the renewal of their marriage vows on this Valentine's Sunday morning here at Christian Life Center, and we have witnessed the same before God in this congregation, and there too they have pledged their faith to each other, I now pray God's continued blessing and riches benediction upon the rest of their days as husband and wife together. Will you bow your heads in prayer? Father, how you must smile as you see these men and women once again renew their vows to one another. God, they're being renewed in your divine presence. And we realize, oh God, that in this world in which we live, it is impossible to have a perfect marriage without the perfecting hand of God upon it. So God, where there have been and perhaps even are some rough places in some of these marriages, in the name of Jesus, make them smooth. If things are broken, would you supernaturally put them back together? For God, your word says the kind of love, that agape love, that God's love, it never, never fails. So God, I pray a hedge of protection around each marriage that the enemy cannot come in to destroy it, that complacency would not cause it to decay. But God, renew the flame of the days of courtship. Renew that twinkle in the eye and that light in the spirit that draw these men and women together. And I pray that what God had joined together, that no one would put asunder in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Husbands, you may kiss your bride. I love you. Would you stand together?